Welcome to Access Paracast, I'm Beth Darlington. In this episode, I chat with former worker Ros Stitt of Parramatta Jail about what it was like working behind bars and her spooky experiences there. I also delve into whether it's a good idea or not to take on private residential cases from friends or relatives. Plus, what really happened when I returned to Old Beechworth Jail with fellow guest Glenn from Fakeshamp.net and what he also thought of his experience. But first... Maximum security in its day, Parramatta Jail was shut down not longer than 2011. Built in 1842, its sandstone walls were a torturous site for inmates for over 170 years. On this special occasion, I was invited by past staff member Ros Stitt to spend about four hours investigating this grand location during the day before they had a reunion which was happening in the afternoon. Joined by my sister Sarah, I started off by asking why Ros felt so connected to this historically significant correctional facility. And the reason why I loved it so much is because this jail was hard ass to oh, work in. Yeah. Very disciplined. Yep. And um, everything I learned here has moulded me into the person who I am today. Oh, wow, that's big. So when you say hard-ass and disciplined, like what kind of things, like was it, you know, a very strict with timing or was it, you know, how things were The way happening? how they treated you. Yeah. The way how they spoke to you, what they expected from you. Yeah. Um, if anything went wrong, they'd come down on you like a ton of bricks. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, it was just like... Everyone was hard. Yeah. We then went into the building Roz used to work in, the old governor's house, which was built in 1882. This is the old, old governor's what? office. Incredible. But John Carruthers used to sit. Wow. Oh. It's, it's like a lot of this. Is this what the furniture was when it was? No. Do you remember? Or was it just someone's brought this in since? Because it seems um, like. People have left. Actually, from memory, that were his chairs. Wow. Ooh. Yeah. Can you feel that? It's making oh, my yeah. head. It's strong. Mm. Um, could be George that's here. There's a ghost that used to visit me every day, and I'm sure I called him George. I don't know what his name was, but he used to walk up the stairs there, and I could hear his footsteps go up every night, because I used to do night shift here. I go, is that you again, George? <laughs> So what did happen with prisoners' transfers in this historical old building? Section 23 in Synapsis Report, what does that mean? A section 23 Synapsis. is a removal order to transfer an inmate from one jail to another. Oh. And the Synopsis Report was um, a whole, we used to have to run a list weekly of all the inmates who had country courts and medical escorts, etc. So we have to go through that mark them off and then um, put in a request for a section 23 order to move them out of the jail. Wow. So uh, it was um, it was always a high turnover. A section 77 is just an, uh, an order to move an inmate out for court and then bring them back here again. 
We then started an audio recording session in the basement of the governor's house. As I said, we're not here to harm you or anything. We just want to acknowledge your presence. Just that thing. Do you hear? Do you hear? We don't want to disturb you or anything like that. We're not all about that. We just want to communicate with the afterlife. So if you want to help out and let us know that you're around, that would be good. Things changed when we got into the jail, and Ros drew more on her knowledge about the location. You also lagged on other crims. That's the biggest no-no you could ever do, and you should know that. And how do I know that? Because I worked here. So, how about you grow some balls, stop hiding, and come out and talk to us. If you want to get out from this uh, wing and go back to the main, you're going to come out to introduce yourself to us and we might speak to you a bit nicer. How's that? I know what you've done. Because I used to look after your records with all your warrants. I knew what every crewman here what they were in for. And trust me, I didn't like what I read. Okay? And I would imagine you would have to be really adapt to life on the inside and make the best with what you had. Were they allowed to smoke? At one stage, yeah. Um, yeah, they smoked the good old white ox tobacco, which was about the cheapest tobacco you could get. And it, you know, stunk like cow shit. <laughs> <laughs> it was terrible. Because like, the other reason why they smoked that shit was because they didn't earn that much money while they were in jail, so of course they had to get the cheapest. And you know, a lot of inmates that had their family to support them while they were in here, like put money in their account and that, so they could buy you know, chips and lollies and smokes and all that. So you know, they were okay, but the ones who didn't have family to deposit money for them, they had to do it tough. Mm-hmm. Even something like tattoos. Did you ever get a tattoo? when you're in jail. There's a flicker. As you can see, I'm very heavily tattooed and I didn't get mine while I was here. But um, I knew that a lot of inmates made homemade tattoo machines. Um, Did any of you get one to symbolise that you had done a lagan in here? A lagan is a sentence. Oh, okay. And if you ever wanted someone's shoes. Just like the other boys used to stand over here for your, um, for your shoes, like your Reeboks and um, what else? Like, uh, they used to you know, wear you know, Adidas and all, the, all those types of shoes when they came in. And then um, once they came in, of course, yeah, the other crims were wearing the good old Bolly mm-hmm. plain uh, white shoes. Yep. So as soon as they saw another cream with good shoes, they'd be stood over and taken off them. Wow. Yeah. And ultimately, how would they survive on the inside? Being the crims, they would watch every move that the screws would make. Mm-hmm. They suss out the behaviour of other inmates. Okay, yep. Um, but with the screws, um, it's what they call... 
um, again, fishing. They were fishing for information. So what they do is that they watch everything they do, they listen to everything what they say, because then they can start putting a profile together about what that office is all about. Wow. Right? And then what they do, what they did was to um, start asking for small favours to test them out, like, hey boss, can I have a phone call? I've got to ring whatever for whatever reason. So they think, right, okay, well, he's allowed a phone call. What's the next thing I can get out of him? And then before you know it, that screw has been sucked in to bring drugs in, contraband, you name it. Wow, talk about people watching and, and learning. You know, yep. It's survival, isn't it? Yep. That one thing they all had was time. Yes, yeah. Modern experience. To be able to not only check out a place like this, virtually on your own, but also with someone who was there, in the thick of it, and knew it inside out for years. A big thank you goes to Roz for allowing me and Sarah to join. If you're interested in investigating this location at night time, Appy Ghost Hunts and Tours run paranormal events. To find out the next tour, head to Appy, A-P-P-I, ghosthunts.com. So we've seen it all before, right? You know, some of us have been watching Ghostbusters and yeah, I'm kind of talking about the original here and thinking, you know, I kind of love to be able to help somebody who felt like they had something happening in their home. Um, you know, or you've seen or heard other investigators that get in and, and help out other people and get to explore a location and find out what's happening and help these people. I mean, we, we all do. Most of us do. It's not not for everybody. It's not for every investigator. But if some of us really love that um, side of investigating. Um, it is a, a more serious level, of course. You're not there wanting to experience something like possible activity. You're there um, completely uh, not about you at all. It's all about helping somebody else dealing with their problem and, and not about you, you know, sus sussing out whether or not there could be something, um, you know, to, to experience for yourself. But, of course, that's great. But um, if you are an investigator that does want to take on private residential domestic cases, as they're also often also referred to, um, if it's a case from a friend or a query from a friend or a query from a relative, the biggest question, of course, is do you take it on? Do you, What's the difference, you know, really, than if, if it's a friend referral as opposed to a family referral? I mean, you think, oh, it's a referral. Someone needs help. You know, let's let's go and find out and, and help them. I know these people. I know they're, they're legit, right? My personal thoughts on that is to not take it on. Don't. Uh, don't look at that, um, taking on that case at that point. And the reason being is that years ago, I was a case manager for a team for a year and a half. And I had a friend actually approach me in that time. And she has three small children. And I know her very well. I'm, I'm, I'm one of her godparents uh, to her children. And um, she was explaining things that the kids were having and experiencing. And of course, you know, I care about them deeply and also want to help her out. And so I went to the team and said, guys, I think we've got something here. A friend of mine really needs help with this. And I was surprised by the response. It was like, well, no, sorry, we're not going to take it on. So the reasons why they came to that conclusion, I'm going to let you guys know. And it's something I've carried over and agree with 100%. So firstly, your emotions are involved. So that's the biggest thing. Your emotions are going to be involved and you're going to be swayed more to believe 
that there is something possibly happening if that's something that the the people in the home are also wanting to believe and it's hard because we trust our friends and it's just our own confirmation bias it's about us being human um i so for instance if i took on this case from my friend i would have had to have you know i I, you know all the stuff that she was telling me i was intrigued i was seriously intrigued and the children were coming up with some really interesting information that i've never heard of them talk before but i were already predisposed to believing something's paranormal happening on without being as objective as possible so that's the first thing you can't be as objective as you can and there is more of a chance for you that you will be relying on your confirmation bias you're confirming your belief prior to the fact of actually going in and um, finding out if something is going on or not. Um, if you do find the answers, um, so for instance, uh, I was able to let her know, um, you know, if I'd gone in there and I was able to explain why there were scratchings on the wall, I can say, look, there's the tree outside that's actually not been pruned and um, it's grown and you haven't seen it, so it's scratching on the wall when there's been a breeze, so it's been explained. Um, they might look at you and go, well, no, it's not. It's definitely paranormal. I know it then you're starting to put strain on that relationship or friendship. And hopefully that doesn't happen, of course, but just being wary of the fact that um, not everyone's going to want to hear rational explanations normally, but if it's your friends or your relatives, then you're, you're putting a strain on that relationship unnecessarily. Um, also, um, uh, say for instance, years ago I had uh, friends who had um, banging pipes and because they knew me quite well and what I did and, and the stories I told, they thought, oh, maybe something possibly paranormal is going on because it's never happened before. Um, unfortunately, I was able to go over there and actually have a look and let them know that the, the, the pipes had um, the brackets that were holding them to the wall had actually just gotten loose. But because they heard of my stories and experiences so many times over the years, they were starting to almost be predisposed to the fact that maybe it could be something paranormal as opposed to not. So it was actually the other way around that their common sense had had kind of or the rational thinking had not been there, which it normally would have. And they were starting to lean towards more of the paranormal. So that was a that was an interesting scenario. But that can also happen, too. And also, if it's something you still are passionate about helping somebody, a relative or a friend, you've got to be comfortable with asking the tough questions. Can you do that? Can you say to them, are you taking any medication that can give you visual or audible hallucinations? They may not want to say that to you. That's with normal cases. But if it's a friend or a relative that you may, you know, they may not want to reveal that to you at all. You're not going to get all the information. It's 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 if it's harder, it's it's a stickier situation to put yourself in. So they're the reasons why I, I personally would not take on a case from a friend and or relative, an inquiry at least. So of course, if if they approach you, then what do you do? best thing to do is refer them to another team so obviously they're going to still want answers regardless of what it is um, refer them to a team that is um, that's somebody that you know somebody uh, or if in fact maybe you prefer have somebody that you don't know but you've heard of them or you like the way in which they investigate or you like their methods um, sometimes it's better to actually have them to a team that you don't actually uh, know so there's less of that connection as well some people will refer to teams that they do know because they still want to be updated regularly about what's happening with the case so I personally wouldn't take on um, a, a query from a relative and or friend when it comes to possible paranormal activity.
I was specially invited by the Paranormal Prospectors Australia team for a private paranormal investigation of the wonderfully historic Old Beechworth Jail. Now I also was joined by my two mates, Glenn Cochran from FakeShemp.net and his wonderful girlfriend Mel King. It was especially cold with snow predicted at one point, so after having a fab pizza for dinner, we settled in to see if this old building would reveal any of its secrets. That's your one. That's my one, yeah, as well. That's yeah. the one in So front that's of interesting that both now are starting to yeah. stand to send off. And they're not close to each other. They're probably a metre and a half away from each other. Back in your cell! Do you hear it? Yeah. yeah. I'm going to get the governor! So of course I needed to figure out if there were any other explanations. I'd be interested to see if someone wants to wander on their own down there and see if it changes. Come on, you bet. Off you go. Oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, I need to. Oh, why did I say that? Off you go, bet. <laughs> so about a meter and a meter and a half in front of them on the floor, you'll see a mat. On that mat, there's another rem pond and some cat's paw. Okay. Cat's paw. <laughs> Thinking. Not literally. Oh, I, know, I, was, I had to clarify. <laughs> 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 they light up if you touch them. Go down there. Mm, okay. I think. Okay, my eyes haven't adjusted to the dark, yeah. so I'm going to have to put a torch on. That's the only thing. Can you make a bang for us? I'm going to walk you down there in the dark. Yeah, because I don't have to. No one puts a torch on. Yeah. While Adam was seeing what he thought were shadows, Belle was starting to feel cold. Oh man, it's cold it was. Anyone else has got extremely cold? Have you seen that? Oh my god. EMF detectors started to react again and voices were claimed to be heard too. That's going on. Mm. Everyone's phones are on. Yep. Yeah. Maybe I've got a message from Melissa. Oh, okay. Do you want to check? That could have. Yeah, okay. Like, yeah, I could have sent it off just in case. No, it's a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's what it is. Well, it goes again. Unless it's half of the M&M's that are sitting on the phone. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Come back to the packed empty shoes. <laughs> <laughs> Literally a food ghost. I'm definitely feeling more this side, to be honest with you. So am I. I can hear stuff going on down that way. Down there? Yeah. yeah. Clicking and tapping and... But it's not like the raindrop click, it's no. definitely like a... Mm. Yeah. Okay. And some talking. It's or... actually yeah, interesting it was... sitting down there because you can hear... It was designed so you could hear everything if you sit down there. Yeah, because it's like if... I wasn't in this environment, I would have thought it's the voice of someone back where we were eating pizza. Like mm. a, yeah. Do you ever feel much activity above? 
We hear for get foots like we had some pretty amazing footsteps up there, haven't mm. we? Yeah. Well boots on metal. Yeah, gotcha. That's a creaking and stuff yeah, upstairs. Did you hear that creak yeah. Yeah, I heard that. What was that? That cell Ned Kelly cell. It was like um tap 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 tap. Yeah. yeah. And a slight little sound was also heard that seemed a little strange. Yeah. Does that sound stomach? No. no. I'm like really, really like concentrating. Like, Is it, I don't mm, want to move. Yeah, I yeah. hear that too. We later started a table tipping experiment which had some really interesting results. Now it appeared to move and tilt in different directions and at one point tipped over completely, but after that the activity ceased. We continued longer and after a while heard a rather strange sound. Now I've amplified it a little bit so you can hear it, and it wasn't like any other sounds we heard during the night. Interesting. Later on, Belle heard what she thought was wheezing, and it didn't come from anyone there that night. Who's wheezing? Did you hear that? Are you wheezing? No. Later on, I managed to catch up with Glenn from fakeshem.net to get his thoughts on the paranormal and, of course, what his top paranormal movie recommendations are. So, Glenn, how was your experience at the paranormal investigation at Old Beechworth Jail? Uh, well, firstly, I was in it for the free pizza. <laughs> don't do these things for free, you know. <laughs> but, uh, no, it was, it was great. Um, I haven't been to the Beechworth prison at night time before, so it was that was new for me. I've done various other paranormal nights elsewhere, but this one was um, particularly good. Had a really awesome, eerie kind of vibe to it, particularly when those lights went down. You know, when the lights go down, they make that big clank noise, like you know, like in the movies. Mm. Uh, so no, there was a, there was an immediate atmosphere that was awesome, and being sort of with a small group made it you know extra intimate and and particularly fascinating, really. Cool. You know, you identify yourself as being an atheist. Yes. What is, why does it, uh, the paranormal intrigue you, if that is the case? Well, when it comes to the paranormal, I'd probably call myself more of an agnostic. Um, I guess I would approach it more as an untapped science. Uh, no, I, I don't particularly believe in a whole lot of things, but I don't disbelieve either. I sort of want to see for myself. Um, I'd rather see things disproven. Um, but if something is presented to me and it's, you know, undeniable, then I'm all for it. And so I kind of, yeah, I approach it more as a, a science that we're yet to understand as opposed to, you know, ghouls and goblins and all that kind of stuff. Cool. Now, of course, being the film critic that you are, I need to ask what your top five paranormal movies that are absolute must watch what do you think that for people who are interested in this kind of stuff what are the top five that you think they would have to watch wow that's that's very hard because you can come at it from all different kinds of angles whether you want to go about it sort of in a fantasy realm or as opposed to a realistic sort of you know depiction of the field but i guess the ones that would come to my mind um the frighteners the peter jackson film is definitely a must it's sort of a very underrated comedy horror that um that follows the paranormal investigator there's another one called the devil's backbone 
uh, by the guy that made uh, Pacific Rim and uh, Crimson Peak. That's really, really good horror film, ghost film. Um, then the Insidious uh, series, I think they're very, very cool. And of course, you can't go past Ghostbusters. Cannot go past Ghostbusters. I suppose if you hadn't mentioned that, we we're going to end this interview like instantaneously. I was not going to go any further. <laughs> it's, just, it's, it's a staple, staple movie. But yeah, very cool. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. I always enjoy investigating alongside the Paranormal Prospectors Australia team. And with every investigation I do, I always come back home learning more and also having more questions. Be sure to check these guys out on Facebook and book your spot at the Old Beechworth Jail and also check out fakeshemp.net. That's all for this episode. Thanks so much for listening and keep investigating.